I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. That's the document that was introduced into the United States Congress just this morning. It is a uh, House resolution drafted by uh, Representative Raskin, and it is a demand placed on the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, to exercise the authority uh, he possesses under the fourth section of the 25th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. There was an effort this morning to bring about a vote that was objected to, and uh, due to certain procedural realities of this Monday, uh, that objection was sustained, and the vote is expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow, Tuesday, about 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock our time, the House of Representatives will vote on a resolution calling on Mike Pence to exercise the 25th Amendment. Now, we've gone over, I know, a number of times. Oh, hello, by the way. I jumped right into reading that text. I didn't take a moment to say happy Monday and welcome to the start of this new week. I know there is a tendency when news is bad to to move on and to quickly put things behind us. But what happened last week in the capital of the United States is uh, of such magnitude that we simply can't do that. We just can't do that. Especially with all the developments that are coming out, both uh, official legislative developments, plus uh, all of the behind the scenes things that we are learning emerging through uh, some of the footage captured in the Capitol building. Much of it heartbreaking. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about uh, a number of heroes that have emerged. Yeah, there have been some incredible profiles in excellence and courage that have emerged from the events of Wednesday and even after. Into the 2 o'clock hour, we'll dive into that. Right now, we're talking about procedure. The procedure to invoke the 25th Amendment. I, I've i been thinking much about the 25th Amendment since you and I were last here together. And uh, I, after chatting with KSL's own Boyd Matheson, I have a, a bit of a better understanding of things. And uh, let me just share with you some of my understandings as I ask you throughout the day and throughout the, uh, the days to come, where, what do you think about each of the various options available to the legislature? Uh, the United States Congress, that is, to the president even, uh, and to to you and me. You know, we have uh, a say in this as well, a say specifically in how we react and what we do and how we feel and how we talk to one another about what is right now playing out. It is unprecedented. Anyway, uh, my my new understanding of things, as I have uh, analyzed the, the history of the 25th Amendment, it doesn't go back that far. This isn't uh, one of those you know, statutory, constitutional things that goes back to the founding of this nation. No, it's a relatively new thing. And 
it was brought about, for the most part, in response to health concerns uh, in the White House, in the Oval Office. Should the president be uh, physically incapacitated and unable to execute his duties? And so the spirit, I'm not sure, is applicable here. I'm not sure that the call uh, by the various representatives to have Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, uh, reach out to the various cabinet members and if he's able to uh, convince a majority to wrestle away from President Trump the the power of the presidency, I'm not sure that it applies and I'm... I'd be very fascinated to see uh, what the Supreme Court might say about the matter. Uh, another point of clarification as well uh, that has that has really come to my uh, understanding here in only the past few days, and it has to do with what the 25th Amendment actually does. In fact, it does not, if you're listening to Boyd Matheson earlier today explain this, what it does not do, it does not remove the president from office. It does not remove the president from office, nor does it, nor does it preclude him from running in the future. You know, if the if the term limits imposed on the presidency uh, were not satisfied or not met, then you know we could see President Trump running uh, again in 2024. And, and depending on your politics and attitudes uh, and thoughts over the past week and four years, really. Uh, you know, that might be of, you know, that might be okay with you. Um, so that's, that's one. And, and here's going to happen on that one. This is, this is the Lee Lonsbury prediction. Uh, tomorrow evening, this will be voted upon. It will pass the House. It will pass the House uh, because, as I r- remind you often, it's a numbers game out there in Washington, D.C., and Democrats are in control right now, and it is Democrats uh, pushing this resolution. So it will pass. The things to look for tomorrow, uh, any Republican that signs on, any Republican that votes for the passage of this resolution, calling on Mike Pence to exercise the 25th Amendment. That'll be very telling. And that will likely define the trajectory of that member of Congress for uh, for the indefinite future. So keep an eye on that. Republicans voting for this resolution. Number two... I do not believe that the vice president will convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet, as the resolution calls for. Speaker Pelosi has given the vice president 24 hours to do so. But that's just the one punch of the one-two punch that Democrats have planned. The two-punch is itself history-making. And it will likely lead to uh, a historic first. The president of the United States being impeached twice. Yeah, waiting in the wings, there is uh, an article of impeachment. Single. An article of impeachment for incitement of insurrection. I'll spare you the the details. You know them, I'm sure, quite well. Uh, But what do you think thus far? 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Should the impeachment go forward, which it can incredibly rapidly. I mean, the, the, the president of the United States could be impeached for a second time, uh, you, you know, within the next 72 hours. 
and you know, now that I say that, it makes me think of all of the all of the complaints against Congress about it moving slowly and not accomplishing much. I'll tell you what, when it's when it's motivated, when it's motivated, it can surely move quickly. Going back to the 25th Amendment, just real quickly, a texter here uh, writes in, quote, if the 25th was made primarily for medical reasons, you have to include mental illness in there. It is clear the president isn't mentally well, so it seems the 25th uh, fits just right, close quote. That's the comment coming from a texter. Uh, Here's the interesting thing. There is no mechanism within the execution of the 25th Amendment or the exercise of Section 4 within it uh, that would determine that. I know that you know that many would make an argument that uh, some of the behavior on the part of the president supports this assertion, but you know this isn't a situation you know like where Reagan was laying on the operating table. This is far different, and I'm not sure there are some medical doctors among them, but I'm not sure that uh, the United States Congress has the uh, ability and the training to to make you know, medical determinations like that. With, with all that said, it is not strictly, uh, you know, contained to the medical sphere, the 25th Amendment, that is. Anyway, back to impeachment. Uh, what impeachment could mean, and one thing that we've learned, interestingly, is that uh, the, the Senate would be compelled to act. When the House, uh, and if the House impeaches President Trump for a second time, the Senate is compelled to act. But they have uh, some procedures put in place right now. That really prevents them from getting together and affecting any meaningful uh, Senate business until the 19th of this month, the eve of the inauguration. And while, yes, the Senate can move very quickly, as can the House, uh, not sure if there is an appetite for a quick motion, quick movement, quick action on this question. So we'll have to see uh, going forward. I, I, I believe what we're going to witness play out this, this week is this resolution will pass the House the resolution regarding the 25th Amendment, that will pass the House tomorrow evening. I do not believe that uh, Democrats, specifically Speaker Pelosi, will be satisfied uh, by anything that the Vice President, Mike Pence, does or says. I certainly don't believe that he will be invoking the authority available to him in the fourth section of the 25th Amendment. That then triggers uh, the Democrats' second promise, which is the impeachment. I believe that will happen this week. I believe that by the end of this week, uh, President Donald Trump will be a twice-impeached president, the first time that's ever happened. The Senate, uh, as it has been arranged in terms of rules, will uh, not take any action until maybe the 19th or maybe well beyond. Another detail we have learned recently is that the Senate is not compelled to act immediately. It could be well into the Biden administration before the Senate takes up uh, the article singular of impeachment and decides uh, how to respond to it. All right. Uh, I have done a good deal of rambling here. Uh, I've got us all caught up to speed on what is happening right now in Congress. We're going to take a break right now. And then when we come back, I want to share with you uh, an argument made by a wonderful new opinion writer at the Deseret News, Brian Erickson. He makes... A case, the conservative case for impeachment. He brings up two points in particular. I want to share those with you and just get a sense of how you feel. Is there a possible conservative case? 
for impeaching President Donald Trump. We'll discuss that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I, I didn't get a good, nice, proper opportunity to say uh, good afternoon to you and welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, a difficult and fascinating chapter of American history will be written this week. A difficult and fascinating chapter of American history will be written this week, and you and I uh, will witness it. You and I will uh, describe the events of last week and this week to our children years from now as they study it in their history books. There will be entire chapters, maybe even entire sections of history classes that will revolve around what is happening right now. And I have often been accused of speaking like hyperbolically and getting uh, a little exaggerated in my tones. That That is uh, surely not the case today. That is surely not the case today. Uh, going to the text message line real quickly. For you, it's 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. And I'm leaving that wide open all day long today. Any questions you have, any thoughts you might have, any uh, comments or views, we're going to ask some more specific questions later in the program. Be ready to, to interact that way. Again, 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Responding, I believe, to the back and forth we had during the first segment of the program, a texter with the last four digits, 0487, asked the question, Lee, can you explain the details on how the president could be prevented from running for uh, elected office? So there are very few, there are very few like formal, statutory, constitutional ways to prevent the president from running for future office. Uh, Number one, term limits, right? Number one, uh, term limits. If a president serves two elected terms, that's it. You can't go for a third. The the other method is the one uh, which I think is being asked about here, and it comes down to uh, Senate action when responding to uh, a past article of impeachment. Once the president has been impeached, or any other federal office holder uh, subject to impeachment, the Senate then you know, decides whether or not to convict or acquit and is also able to uh, determine whether or not that elected official is uh, disqualified for holding future offices of honor. And that is uh, pretty universally been accepted uh, to, to mean uh, the presidency or whatever office they uh, may find themselves being Uh, evicted from. So that's it. In simple terms, the Senate could make a decision saying that uh, that the president, if impeached, would no longer uh, be able to run for office. Uh, Another question comes in here, a very appropriate one. What's the point of impeachment? He's gone in eight days. Also, how can you impeach a man who is no longer president? Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly about impeaching someone who is no longer president. The the House, uh, I believe, will on Wednesday vote on uh, the article, singular, unless another is introduced before then, uh, an article of impeachment. Uh, Once the House passes that, uh, that's it. And and so impeachment, done. But as we learned, geez, as we learned earlier this year, the first time the president was impeached, (laughs) it is a two-part thing. And that impeachment is, you know, that's, that's only a step towards removal from office. It is not removal in itself. 
Step two is the Senate's responsibility. And we have heard from various experts, various folks who have dedicated much of their time uh, and research to you know, the authority of the United States Senate in uh, its duty to you know, adjudicate uh, an impeachment, to decide whether or not to acquit or convict. And it's been from all the sources I've been able to track down and speak to, uh, including Royal Oaks, uh, contributor to ABC. Uh, you can absolutely, you, the Senate, can absolutely uh, do its work after the term uh, of a president has expired. But to what end? The, the texter says he's gone in eight days. Well, it gets back to that question of whether or not the Senate has the appetite to, and specifically a supermajority of the Senate, has the appetite to prevent the president from running for future office. Is that clear enough? Uh, 57500 is the number if you have uh, other questions on that. And what do you think? Because that's just really two. That's what the Democrats have signaled to be their uh, you know, plan of attack for this week. There's the resolution to urge the vice president to exercise his authority under the 25th. Failing that, uh, they intend to impeach or rather debate and vote on an article of impeachment. That'll likely happen on Wednesday because I don't think I don't think Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, uh, will be exercising the 25th Amendment. But that's only two of a number of options available. The president could resign is another option. I don't believe there is, you know, a rat's chance in wherever that that's going to happen. I also am aware of uh, one other option, and that is we all just run out the clock. We all just march on towards uh, January 20th. The inauguration comes and goes. The Biden administration begins its work, and we do what we can to forget this dark chapter. And there are many arguments for that. Five seven five zero zero. I promised before the break that we would be examining uh, a position put forth by uh, a real strong new opinion writer for the Deseret News, Brian Erickson. I invite you to check this out. Uh, published in uh, the online edition of that paper just the other day. The headline reads: "The Conservative Case for Impeaching and Removing President Trump." The Conservative Case for Impeaching and Removing President Trump. I don't have time to go through all of the details included in this opinion piece. I'd invite you uh, to to read it yourself. What I'll do here is share really the two big takeaways. Uh, one of them, the conservative case, is looking towards uh, those three U.S. senators who arguably have made it known that they intend to pursue the presidency come 2024. Can you think of the names? Ted Cruz. Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton. Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley involved very vocally uh, and actively in the, uh, in the debate, in the objection of the counting of the Electoral College votes cast last week on the 6th. Arguably one of the events that kicked off all of the... <sighs> Still working on my language on this one. But what unfolded at the United States Capitol so lamentably. And so the argument put forth in this piece here is that should Trump be impeached and removed, 
that uh, those looking for conservative representation in the White House and who are able to look to these three, one of these three senators, as bringing that to the office, well, Trump being out of the way, not running for office again, opens the door for these three. Now, I'm not sure you know, what the political calculations are. I'm not sure what the memory is or what the memory will be uh, or what taste will be left in the mouths of uh, both Democrats and Republicans come uh, 2024 voting time when it comes to Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and to a, a much lesser extent Tom Cotton, you know, after this past week. But that's only one of the points. The other point is an interesting one, and it's the one uh, which makes the most sense to me in this argument uh, in the Deseret News right now. Um, from opinion writer Brian Erickson, the conservative case for impeachment and removal from office. And it has to do with what transpired in Georgia. Yeah. In Georgia. There were two special runoff, well, there was a special runoff election and a runoff election, uh, both uh, where Republicans were seeking to hold on to uh, their seats, uh, Democrat challengers. Ultimately, well, you know this already, the Democrats won and have wrestled away from Republicans' control of the Senate. Trump, President Trump tried to campaign for Republicans there and was unsuccessful. When it comes to potency and track record, I think your most recent victory or loss is the one that should be used to evaluate you. What poll does Trump have left? 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Quick break. When we return after the news, we'll be speaking with former Congressman Rob Bishop. He and I were back and forth, and we're going to take a look at history and violence that has transpired in the House of Representatives and Congress in the past. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.